Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org from Louisville Public Media. Ha, 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 ha. Tess. All right, I'm on. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here, checking out the series. Ah, you know what to do. You like what you see, what you hear. Hit that subscribe button. Put out three new interviews every single week, so it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists and discover some new ones. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Today, I'm talking with Britt Daniel of Spoon. We're going to be discussing the band's 10th album, 10th studio album, Lucifer on the Sofa. Uh, Britt's going to take us into the band's decision to make an all-out rock record, uh, the use of Mr. Jones as a character in music history, and the importance of radio to him as a, uh, a child. Uh, then we're going to go into Lucifer, representing a version of himself, uh, the band's plans to release uh, more songs from this session, and, uh, and we'll also jump back to 1997's release, Soft Effects. It turns 25 this year, and uh, Britt's got a real appreciation for that uh, release as well. So let's do this and jump into it. It's Kyle Meredith with Spoon. Hey, Kyle. It's great to see you again uh, behind such a great new record, Lucifer on the Sofa. I, I want to tell you, this is the kind of record Thanks. that I feel like 10 years from now, it's going to make me nostalgic to want to travel back to now. Like, you know. <laughs> That kind of record. Well, that's high praise. Thank you. It is definitely. Um, the first thing I noticed about it, almost in a surprising sort of way, is how triumphant a lot of these songs seem. Like, I'm not hearing that a lot from a lot of artists right now, but that quality comes. Does it feel like that to you? Is that meant to be there? Yeah, I think I know what you mean. And we, we did want to make a record that, that felt good to put on, that felt good, you know, blasting out your radio, you know? Maybe that's part of what you're hearing, and there's I don't know a song like Wild. I don't think we've ever written a song that's uh, felt quite that degree of, um, you know, like uh, epic, you know, almost like a, you know, Bruce level epicness, you know. I was uh, just by chance because of the other interviews I was doing. I was listening to a lot of Primal Scream at the same time, and and that song specifically. There was 
some sort of crossover quality with uh, maybe where both artists were coming from, you know, to make that. I, I wouldn't usually put yeah. you all together, but that time it did. Yeah, yeah. They're great. So so with that said, I, I guess the, the easy question is, who, who did you all want to be when you went into this record? Because it's a guitar record, first and foremost. I mean, it really does feel like that, as opposed to where we come from on Hot Thoughts and a few of the ones before that. Like, did wh what did you want to do with this one? When we wanted to make a great rock and roll record, I just looked out there and I thought, you know, there's just not enough of those being made. And we had, you know, we toured more on Hot Thoughts than we had on any record before, which for us is kind of saying something. And we just got in a good flow where, you know, we we really worked on the show. The band really was playing great together. We were actually playing the Hot Thoughts, the songs of a Hot Thoughts better than they were on the record. And we just thought, let's keep with this kind of vibe, you know? And so that meant making a record that sounded like, or that was a band playing in a room and what happens when that sort of natural process happens and people are playing off each other and that kind of chemistry. I think that's what you're hearing. When you get in a moment like that, and, and I know most of the time it's all about going forward, but you know, talking about the way Hot Thoughts kind of, you found those moments throughout the tour, do you ever consider on any of your songs doing doing the thing that some artists do and going back and, and doing the re-recording uh like a live record or you know like you mean like re-recording the songs and yeah studio? maybe something like that it, you know it's if you, I, if you get comfortable with them later you know yeah that's not a bad idea you know some i think they'd call that bonus content <laughs> uh we i i used to you know i used to kind of hate live records mm-hmm I think because the ones I was, I was exposed to as a kid were just terrible, but um, there are there are good live records I've figured out since then um, where there's it's a different version of the song. There's an energy that's palpable on the recording. It can be done well, so maybe we should do that one of these days. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Well, well, on this one, um, I want to hit so you get the first couple tracks and and I'm in love. You get the Devil and Mr. Jones, and I think an involuntary noise came out of me, like a good involuntary noise, like a gasp, like those chords, you know, I didn't expect that. Oh, thanks. Where did that song come from? Because especially in this set, it's got its own unique thing going on. That one, uh, the it started with my friend Andrew Cashin sending me a voice note where it's just him whistling on top of an acoustic guitar. And I kind of turned that quickly into like a demo that was very based on that. And um, then it kind of morphed. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it became, his version was a little bit more straight ahead rock. And then it became, I kind of got into do, playing it in this sort of soul fashion, you know, like with a little bit more swing to the rhythm guitar. Yeah, that's where that one came from. And at the same time, I, as I was working on the, he had gave me the melody and the chords. And at the same time, I had this piece of paper with these words I'd already kind of written almost word for word about Mr. Jones. And it just kind of came together really fast, that one. So you're a student of rock and roll. That that name, Mr. Jones, has he has lent himself to so many classic songs in the past. Yeah. So why was it for you? Is, is this the embodiment of, of maybe that same character that we've heard from the past 50 years? Yeah, I'm super aware of the, the legacy of songs about Mr. Jones. And I, I don't know, it, 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 I thought about it for half a second and then I decided, you know, I, I do like the idea of contributing to the canon of that work of those of those kinds of songs. I've heard so many of them and I think I don't think I've heard one that I didn't like yet. So yeah, I was aware of it, but uh yeah, he, Mr. Jones never uh really seems to be a good guy, does he? 
and the guy in my song definitely is a bad man. Yeah, I would have to think through that. I mean, um, you know, even in the Counting Crows song, it's not like he's a horrible guy, but at the same time, he's he's uh, there's illusions going on. Yeah, like, I don't really know what that one's about. I guess I've heard it a million times, but I don't know what the lyrics are about. I see what you're saying Bob, on that, too. Like, certainly Bob Dylan's Mr. Jones is uh-huh. a confused individual. Yeah, that's... Um, like I said it's one of my favorite moments uh, of this one, and and there the the other you get to the track on the radio, and you know that's of course I'm going to pay attention to that one. You know it's it's catnip right, right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's also I mean it's almost it's almost surprising in itself because you know in 2022 radio is still a dominant thing, but you don't have as many love letters written to it from a musician's point of view. I think as you you used to is like. I know you're based down in Austin again these days, or you're down in Austin at least for the record. But uh, but is it local radio or something you had on your mind? It was growing up in Temple, Texas, and listening to the radio and being really young, and the radio feeling like a lifeline to the outside world. You know, and feeling at times you know lonely or trapped in my house or in my room because that's what being a kid is about. A lot of time you're bored and. Uh, you're waiting for when you can play with your friends again or whatever, you know? And, uh, but when I was, when I got that little clock radio, it made me feel like I, I was, could hear evidence that the world was still happening out there, you know, somewhere outside of my house, the world was still happening. And that was really comforting to hear and comforting to know. And then also just to have, uh, the DJ talking, you know, and it felt like the talk DJ was talking to me. That's what the lyrics about talking to me all night on the radio did you have uh did you do the recording off the radio did you make your own radio mixtapes i did later on yeah there's a the, the, there's a lyric in the in the in the record where you you bring up uh, the reference of records and cassettes and is this with what you're talking about Old as well school. You, yeah well, that's what i'm saying is this a, a moment on this record where you found yourself maybe taking that look back a little bit more yeah it was that that lyric is kind of a um and a I don't know. It's sort of a uh, there to paint the picture of what it's like during a breakup, and uh, you know the guy's saying, "What am I going to do with you know this, these things that are still left here that are reminding me of you? The box of cigarettes, all these old records, all those cassettes, all these letters." Um, maybe it's maybe it is indicative of my age that I'm still thinking about cassettes, but you know that, that or maybe it just rhymed really well. I've got a whole wall of cassettes just on the other side of the screen right now. So you're speaking my love, love, love language, I think is what I'm trying to say. Okay. <laughs> it's all cool. As far as the bad guys goes, as we were talking about Mr. Jones, uh, Lucifer himself, uh, itself, whatever, does make the appearance. But also maybe the opposite of that, you know, because you have Astral Jacket and that goes into satellite. And so we've got this ethereal angelic thing happening at the same time. What's... um. What's the religious context, if any, or is it just uh, the use of the names? Well, different things going on in each song. I mean, for Lucifer on the Sofa, that was the Lucifer on the Sofa is me at my worst. It's uh, the me that I can become, the character I can become when uh, in times of anxiety or stress. And the song is about kind of trying to get over the hump, get over that character, and be, be, come back to normal, the real me. Um, but for some reason, maybe because of the way I was raised, raised, that seemed like a good way of exemplifying that character. And it also just seemed creepy, you know? 
It took me a second to figure out what it meant, but I loved that line, Lucifer on the Sofa, and that's that's really why the record's called Lucifer on the Sofa. I mean, every every album needs a great title, and uh, that seemed like one to me. It's always been, I find, a really interesting writing tool, uh, if you want to call it religious context or anything like that, but just that that imagery, like uh, right. I don't know. It's easy to conjure those pictures anyway. Yeah. You talked about the songs written, but like most records, there were songs that just didn't fit the album. Do you have enough that they do those ever? Do you, do you let those see the light of day? Is there an EP in you after this? We did. There were some songs we finished from the record that um, didn't make the record and that will come out. There were some songs we finished that I don't ever want to hear again. Um, and there were a lot of songs that we, that I wrote and got really far with, but just uh, ended up, you know, maybe I'll come back to them, but we, I mean, I counted it up and I, I think it was something like 42 songs that we worked on in some degree or another, and then honed that down to these 10, you know, it's bound to be a good record when you've got that many songs to choose from. Well, if, you know, if this record's this good, I'm really interested to hear the ones that, that didn't make it. And I've always appreciated that about you. I mean, I think you're still a champion of, of, of things like the EP of the B side, you know, uh, of stuff like that. So, you know, what's right. what you got in there? I mean, I was, geez, I was listening to soft effects speaking of EPs because it's the 25th anniversary this year of that one. And geez, yeah, still what a great little record that is, you know, I really like that one too. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of my favorite things we've put out and it's only five songs. Um, not the best known thing we've done but it's it's a really good one and it, yeah, it came right after my least favorite record we've put out you know so it was something was happening there where we were figuring out what we were doing it's the transition piece right yeah it is no it's it's fantastic and again i, I say the same thing about lucifer on the sofa i know i've already complimented you probably over complimented you i love this record man uh congrats and well, thanks, thanks for doing what you do i'm glad you're liking it thanks for taking the time to talk about it it's always good to see you good to see you too all right, man. Take care. We'll see you around. Take care. I'm going to include a few more of my interviews with uh, Britt Daniels over the years. Uh, first, we head back to 2017. This was ahead of their set at a Forecastle Festival here in Louisville. And we got to talk about uh, that album, uh, the album that came out that year, Hot Thoughts, as well as the Beatles and some politics of the day. So uh, part two of Kyle Meredith with Spoon. First, I want to give you, I, I think, what's probably one of the highest compliments uh, in, in, in rock and roll, that is, there's a new Spoon album on the 50th anniversary of the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper, and that seems like the most perfect and right thing for All the right. type of music that you guys do in relation to what that was. I don't know. There's just, that's not a question. It's just uh, part of throwing it out there. I think that's high praise. It's high praise. Yeah. It's high praise. Thank you. I'm not exactly saying you've made a Sgt. Pepper, but I'm not not saying it either. Right. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, Sgt. Pepper isn't my favorite Beatles record, although it is it is amazing. Yeah, you know, I agree and what with you. they it was. I can only imagine being alive then and uh, hearing that record and how how blown my mind would have been. But I think song for song, the the albums around it are actually better. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Well, and that I mean, that's that was kind of the history lesson, right? Because was is Revolver that comes right before it, right? And, and sort of no one tours. listened to Revolver because of that was the one second. I mean, lots of people heard it, but but not near as much as everything before that because that was the bigger than Jesus moment, and we oh, just really? stopped touring yeah. and, and everything. So it's like people didn't pay attention to that one right. so much later, and, yeah. and now we go back and went, but no, but it's that one, right? It's right. that one. Uh, that is uh, all high praise and kind of an intro here to Hot Thoughts because 
you know, you guys always seem to have to live up to your last record. Most bands always have to live up to that one record. I know it's probably even Gimme Fiction uh, to some point for you all, but I, I feel like you're the type of band that still every single record, it just gets better and bigger, and you have to live up to that. Right. I think that's good. I think, you know, when you're... I think it actually makes sense for us to try to keep it in that perspective as well. I mean... I, what I don't like to see is a band that sort of rests on their laurels, keeps making the same type of record, or and isn't and that it get, becomes afraid of throwing a curveball out there. You know, right. and I, I feel like we gotta, in order to keep people interested at all, you gotta do the unexpected and go to different, go to some different places, and while at the same time recognizing it's the same songwriter, it's the same singer. There are some new, there's some new ground on this record. You know, the song like us and a song like Pink Up and. Just the overall, the overall uh, vibe of it, I think, is a little bit. It's a step into the future for us. Yeah. Well, there's a line you used in a recent interview uh, that you're hoping to show the audience some kind of world no one else has shown them before. <laughs> I did I say I was? Yeah, <laughs> I mean uh, that sounds good. It's a bit of a Willy Wonka line, but I, I'd say it's actually pretty true. For us, yeah, album. my favorite, my favorite artists show you moods that you can live in that you may not have been aware of. You know. Or moods or soundscapes you know they're existing in those in those moods and soundscapes uh in a in a way that no other artist is so maybe that's what i'm talking about right yeah. well it, it actually makes me always curious about what the stuff that hit the cutting room floor is like I, I like do you guys ever throw anything out because you think you know what that's too on the nose that's too easy i mean your uh -huh. songs are always catchy sure. but but they always take that left turn in the catchy i can think of a good good example was uh, on our last record, um, They Want My Soul. There's a song on it called Do You. Mm -hmm. And um, that was one of, we did that record in two halves. Uh, we recorded a whole ha half, we mixed it, we recorded the second half, mixed it. That's not how it ended up on the sequencing, but in, in terms of the work. Mm -hmm. And um, and that song Do You was in the first half. We were working with this guy, Joe Ciccarelli, who's a very uh, traditional alt-rock producer and we had a version, my first, actually it was maybe the second or third version of Do You, but I gave it to him. The first version he heard was a sort of bouncy, like, dun, 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 which is like, to me, the way that that was done best was the kinks on like Dead End Street or Sunny Afternoon or mm -hmm. something like that. It was done poorly on um, When I'm 64. <laughs> but, you know, you got to have a little attitude. But I felt like... After we so we learned the song like that and we were playing it like that and I just came back and I was like guys we've done this before you know we did it we had that beat on Target and we had that beat on a thing or or two other and it just was a little too poppy a little too like I felt like we'd done it before and mm -hmm. I said we got it let's try it this other way and it was the way that ended up being on the record and and Joe was like I don't know we can try it like that but we've always got this version <laughs> to come back to and that was the big hit on the record right. It's and Joe did a good job of of what we ended up doing. He it was it was a great recording. He did a good job of it. But but there so was some reluctance to. Yeah, know. I'm always so surprised when an artist can just let go like that because I know how hard it is first to write a song and, and get it to where you want to get it, and and I know how scary it is to have that in the back of your mind to think, what if the next song never comes? To be able to just set yourself out there and say, Nah, right. scrap it. We can do that again. Yeah. I don't know. I just had this gut that uh, that said it's gonna be t it's gonna be too done, it's done for us, and too too poppy. And I don't know. It just was it wasn't hitting me right. Once we it was a version that worked, 
and maybe that version will come out as a as a you know a bonus track someday or something. But um, uh, I'm not complaining the, because the the version you put out is you know it's yeah obviously almost uh, yeah I, I like it a lot now, better. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know what it was. I started with the beat from um, Train okay. in Vain. Yeah, so it was we t- I took there's a you know you can cr- easily grab the the opening beat to Train in in Vain because it's just the the beat to start just the drums. And uh, I looped that, and then sort of that's that was the original start of uh, that version of Do You, that sort of beat, a t- totally different beat from uh, Sunny Afternoon or Dead End Street. Well, I think that's what, you know, it's been written about many times, kind of the most notable thing. Like, like when I think about a Spoon song, the word glitchy comes to mind. Like, like you guys have fun, you know, and that's not, I'm not saying that's there's a glitch in every song, but that's sort of the, the term that comes to mind, like when I have to explain it to someone, like, oh, no, it's cool, it's... It's sort of sometimes glam, pop rock, and, and glitchy, you know, mm-hmm, or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And and almost all of your songs seem like studio creations, mm-hmm. you know, in that old classic way. Like, how hard is it then to adapt it for what you guys are going to do out here? It can be hard. And a song like Pink Up, you know, we've been doing shows since January, occasional shows since January. We've been really touring since March, and uh, we wanted to play Pink Up that whole time but we didn't really have it together and this is the thing where certain people my mother is one of them she'll ask me what i'm doing i'm like we're trying to figure out how to play the songs on the record there's certain ones that are too hard and she'll say what are you talking about you already recorded it if you've done it once before can't you do it again and i'm like then i have to explain what multi-tracking is and they they get a blank look on their face and um but yeah it's uh, it's a studio creation and so finding a way to play to actually play it live with five people is sometimes can be a thing and we finally have gotten that one down we're not playing it tonight because it's it may not be festival fair it's not the right thing yeah <laughs> maybe we should maybe we should just throw it in there i don't know you can open up the set with it <laughs> really give it's it the a challenge good tune. <laughs> it's a good tune but yeah. yeah we usually try to just play since we have such a limited time we, we end up uh, playing the the sort of focused hits sure you know sure with this record also notably being the keyboard heavy record, I mean, was that more weight on Alex, or did you all take part in that? Um, everybody took part in it, but it was a lot of weight on Alex. I mean, I would, I would give him, but he's real. He's so uh, creative and sort of uh, adaptable to uh, to situations. So I would write a song on acoustic guitar, and we had already established earlier in the recording of the record. We don't want a song with acoustic guitar in it, so we got to figure out some way to ter- take this song written on acoustic and turn it into a thing that doesn't, that has a different vibe to it. And usually, Alex and I would sit there, and sometimes in five minutes, sometimes in an hour or two, we would we would always come up with some way of playing it that be that be that we would like, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was instrumental in that. I'm kind of curious then how this the legacy of this record would be beyond that too, because it seems like every record right now, if you even put a slight reference to politics in it. It becomes like, and that was their anti-Trump record, right? You know, and, right. and so you're tied to the era just naturally, like. Right. It, but it's not a political record overtly. Yeah, there's a song on it that that's sort of topical and it's you know can be looked at as very specific to Trump. You know, when not when we when we finished the record, Trump the the election hadn't happened yet, and so uh, I do think that if this record was made one year later, it would be there'd be a lot of different right. lyrics on it. But and, and, but there was that one and. My concern as we were writing it, because we were writing it and before he even won the primary, was by the time this record comes out, this is going to seem outdated, but it's not. Unfortunately not. <laughs> it's un- unfortunately, it's not. <laughs> so it's the next record that's really going to be... It could be. It could be, yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping that by the time we start writing for the re- next record, um, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, pos- I'm 
I'm thinking positive. Yeah. That maybe I won't have that to, to, to write about. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Now let's drop back to uh, 2014. Uh, Spoon and uh, Alex uh, Feischel, uh, who was in the band at the time. This was another actually uh, Forecastle Festival interview where we were discussing the album They Want My Soul. We got to talk about the band's relationship to fans, interjecting madness into beauty and ACDC. This is a uh, part three of Kyle Meredith with Spoon. Hey man, welcome back. back. How you doing? I'm well. It's a uh, now Alex, right? Yeah, that's and, me. Yeah, you're new. Yeah, I, I haven't met you before. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were thinking of uh, Britt last time uh, we had you on the show. You were with Divine Fits. It was Bonnaroo, and it was also raining as much as it is here at the forecast over this. So uh, I'm uh, figuring out that you bring the rain. Did it rain last time? It rained at Bonnaroo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Bonnaroo. Bonnaroo. Now I know which interview we're yeah. talking about. Yes, I remember. Yeah. I was on. Yeah, I was. Uh, we were all rushing off to see Tom Petty, but uh, then it rained on us, so that was the quickest interview ever. That so. was right after the show, and <laughs> right after some other yeah. stuff just went down. <laughs> just went down. I don't know what that is. Expand your Autobiography, right there. The stuff of the autobiography. Well, this is cool because I think we've all been really waiting for a new Spoon record. And it's finally here, and uh, and there's been some good chuckles at the um, at the title of the record. They want my soul. Why? Who's? Why is that funny? <laughs> I think it's funny. Yeah. I started thinking about though, a band makes a record, and all the fans go, "Yay, the record's here!" Now, when can we have another record? Yeah. And it's always a demand. There, there is such a demand. I would feel I've never been an artist uh, such as yourselves, but I feel like there's probably that constant pull from from fans and, and from media and everything and. I'm not saying that I've, uh, I, I've I've made up my mind that that's what your album title's about, but that's what your album title makes me think of, the relationship between artist and fan. Like, what more do you want? Oh, yeah. No, that really wasn't what it was about, but I, I get that. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, to me, it was like, I don't know where the song title originally came from, but we had this title, and we yeah, we had this song that we were working on, and we wrote out the, uh, the title on, like, the track sheet for our, you know, for the tape. You know, you write down... Here's the bass, here's the drums, here's the... And at the top it says, They Want My Soul. And we took a picture of that and put it on Instagram. And I just, like, took a look at that and I was like, that just seems like some vaguely threatening title that, that when I was in high school, or now, yeah. would find, like, if there's a band that's doing something has a vaguely threatening title or is doing something vaguely right. threatening like it appeals to me yeah that's, that's what you're all about yeah yeah I like it you like a little pain in your uh, in your pleasure it sounded like a <laughs> I think there's some misfit song that, that has a similar yeah. yeah they want my is it they want my soul I mean it's instantly or I want your soul yeah, I want your soul yeah. it's instantly recognizable though maybe more so than even some of the other ones since maybe kill the moonlight I mean that's in, in the same vein you know it's you've got the word kill yeah 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 <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, it was just a, yeah, it was yeah. just a, t- a, t- a cool title and yeah. vaguely threatening, and yeah, it works. Well, for me. back on the point I was trying to make though, is that is that even? Do you guys 
have to pay attention? Do you pay attention to that, like I said, in that kind of relationship where it's always give me more, give me more, give me more? Because <laughs> especially, Spoon now, I mean, with 10 years in, over 10 years in, right? Uh, this is album eight. Yeah. Yeah, if they want more, you know, you should feel you should feel lucky, I really feel. Like, yeah. You know, and, I, and I do. Yeah. I feel... I don't know. I feel blessed that, like, we, we've been able to do this for so long and people... More and more people want to hear it, you know? More and more people want to come to shows and yeah. buy records. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't always happen that long. Right. You know? With doing it this long, though, I mean, it's art. It's, you know... Writing songs can be fun, but I know uh, when, when you're a successful band especially, and it is at some point about the next record I mean forced art is what I keep thinking about because you know it's one thing just to sit down you're, you know you're on your own you're having a good time but when does it become forced art was it ever that part in the middle where it's like I've got to write this record you know sometimes you do feel like it's time to do this you know like it's time to do the work yeah but and sometimes that can produce bad art sometimes it can produce good art I'll let you decide <laughs> uh, some of some of the um, some of the record was was done casually and then some of it was like okay we're up here in in uh, Casadega New York in the middle of a of a blizzard uh, let's get this work done right you know? right like, yeah. Yeah, I read that there was some stir craziness that going on, but I, but that's why I think of Spoon's record. I think of your music as stir crazy. Like that's how I see it. It's always a little bit jerky. A, a yeah, so maybe bit... it was the right thing for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it adds in there. Uh, there's even the part in uh, what, what's the uh, rainy taxi. Uh, they, they keep. I've only heard the live version. I don't that's know, him. Yeah, you're talking about that. Yeah, yeah, the crazy. That's what. I, that's what I'm talking about. That's that's, that's like the Spoon sound right there of all that. That was in Casadega where we did. That was like yeah. That's oh, that was a product. Song. And this is your first record, so what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, it was meant to be, man. Yeah, but there's, there's something about You guys have always been really good about injecting this uh, madness into beauty. I think and Thanks, when, when I talk that's, about the That's an song, awesome compliment. <laughs> that's amazing. But, but isn't that a spoon song right there? Because you can have something going along so, I don't know, just smooth or whatever, and suddenly it's, that's always kind of been your thing. Like, well, let's punch you in the gut once. Yeah. Surprises are good, right? Um, Throwing curves are good. I mean, in a world of so much formula. It can happen in a song. It can happen in terms of, you know, sequencing of songs or, you know, anything. Yeah. Was it hard for you guys to, uh, was there any rekindling that had to go on? Again, this far in, like a marriage. I was just kindling. (laughs) Yeah, you you were there. This is the, you're the, you're the. I was just, yeah. (laughs) You are the kindling. Um. It what there was no uh, there was no retreat. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, it was just it was all good actually because when we when we did the last tour, I mean we just toured, made record, toured, made record right, for right, for right. years and years and years. And then at the la- at the end, like halfway through touring the last record, I thought to myself, maybe not every record wants to be toured for a year or a yeah, year and a half, right. you know. And it made sense to tour the one before that long because it was kind of a big crowd pleasing record and it had. You know some hits on it um this the last record we put out was a little more internal and kind of like a headphone record and yeah. the first time i hear it makes your money i mean that's like I, you're right it's exactly what i would do i'd put on the headphones and you know it's, it's something like and that. so it didn't really feel like maybe necessary but but we still had a lot of touring left to go and i think that we eventually figured out yeah maybe we've done this one a little we pushed it a little too long right it got to be so that it was 
a bit not as fun as it should yeah, be. Yeah. So when we got back together this time, it had been such a long break. Um, I, I just think that the break helped, you know? And the break helped in, in bringing right. the kindling along. Yeah. For you, how is that? Because you step into a band that's got rich heritage. You right. know, it, it does have a solid fan base that, that has demands, that at least knows the history and everything. And, and you're, you come in as this, I mean, what, how do you come into that? You know, it's... Excited. I think it helped I, I, because we were in another band together before. Between. Yeah. 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 So I knew Brit. I just had to get rid of the rest of the guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was exciting. I was a fan of Spoon, you know? Like, it was, I mean, it's crazy. It was crazy. I was like, this is sure. fucking awesome. I better do a good job. Legendary. Don't fuck up. Don't fuck up. I think it took like about three hours before everybody in the band loved Alex. Yeah. Really? Yeah. All right. Or if it's all three hours, man. That's <laughs> and that, where everybody was like, oh, okay, now I get it. This is why this is happening. <laughs> it's high price right there. Uh, fun things I, I have read lately that I want to bring up. Um, I, I don't know. Did you really buy an entire ACDC catalog all at once? I actually did buy it all at once because I, there was a, a sale on, on eBay of their whole entire catalog on vinyl. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying I've listened to every one of those records because that sure. wasn't very long ago. But, no. But uh, but yeah, I, I had a real uh, when I was growing up, ACDC was the name of a band that I'd see on the back of, of jackets of a lot of people that hated me. Yeah, right. So right. I wasn't. You couldn't do that. I wasn't really into. It also happened to be a, during maybe their kind of creative lull. And but then uh, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven years ago, I started getting like. What, why they were so great and yeah. slowly getting into the whole catalog and then bought the entire catalog. It's funny how that happens. And, 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 and for context, for cameras here, uh, it was, I think someone asked you because of Rent I Pay, the sound mm. of Rent I Pay, and you made the comment. Um, it's funny how that works, though, with those bands that, you know, you were too cool to like at one point. Uh, I just didn't and, like and getting you get a little beat up older. by those people, yeah. you know. <laughs> it wasn't that I was too cool. <laughs> It's just but, this thing about my ass being beat. <laughs> but I just find it rare, like, once you get to a certain age to find anyone who's like, man, I got everything, I'm so into this band, because it was so much easier to be obsessed about a band when you were young. And as you get older, I mean, do you find it, like, harder to really get into a I band? I don't. You don't find it harder? No, like, I'm, I'm so obsessed with uh, the OCs and ACDC and yeah. what else? Rolling Stones. But that's Rolling been, that's been yeah. a long time. Yeah. I mean, there's bands that you can be obsessed with for your entire life, but to, but to find a band suddenly that you're like, man, here I am. I, I'm in my you know mid 30s, and it's like it's so rare that I can just become obsessed. Yeah. With, uh, with newly obsessed, I should say. Well, you're lucky when that happens, right? Yeah. And That's I the think, best. I think that it, it's there are those bands out there that you just maybe sort of have heard a few things by, and then you around the corner and then you get it oh this yeah. is what this whole thing is about and I think it'll keep happening to you you're a music lover <laughs> I am a music lover and I'm obsessed with music but uh, I that's it was just reading that in the, that kind of context like you bought the AC and it, it was kind of jokey or whatever yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's like man that's beautiful yeah. there's a sense of real awesomeness to that you know yeah yeah that is beautiful it's like I'm gonna get it all it's one of know, the best things in life Frank who made who and you know and and by the way Black Ice the last record was really damn good yeah see I don't it's good. There's a song that anything goes on. It's one of the poppiest things. It's fantastic. I think I have every vinyl except for that. Recommendation. Uh, back to They Want My Soul. One more thing. Um, uh, the producer, uh, you brought in, there's a producer. That's kind of been part of this story. Uh, I know with, uh, with uh, Jim, you know, it's kind of been, you know, you're all's baby and everything. Was there, like, there's a bit of giving up control. There's this rumor that we've produced all our records ourselves. Not true. Not true. 
we did the last record, Transference, we produced all of our okay. songs. Before that, we always worked with, well, almost always worked with this guy, Mike McCarthy, okay. who produced our records. But th I think that what happened is there's, there's these press releases that go out, and one of them said something like, this is the first time we used a name producer, and then everybody... And then everybody ran with it. But then I think that I've seen press that have, that yeah. have said the same thing that you're... You know. I, I mean, I do my research, but that's, yeah, yeah. you know, it's still... Um, you can only do that so much. But it, it, it was a change from the record before where we were doing it all ourselves. Yeah. and um, We actually worked with two producers on this one. We did the record in two halves. Right, right, yeah. And, uh, uh, we you still like that, though. You, you still like bringing in the collaborator, the outside collaborator, and saying, oh, yeah, absolutely. What, what can you bring into this? I, I mean, I really, do, yeah, I think that the combination of ideas and aesthetics will always produce something that's better than... Then, um, yeah. as long as everybody's reasonably on the same page. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I loved what I've heard uh, so far. Uh, do you? Uh, that especially that opening vocal thing will get stuck in your head. You yeah, make yeah, me yeah. stay up at nights when I don't want to think about music right. because of that song. So thanks for that, guys. Uh, I can't wait to hear the rest of it. So uh, thanks, again, man. it's been great to have you guys back thanks. and stopping by. Thanks for having us. Uh, thank you for coming to Forecast. Thank you. Well, back to Louisville. Yeah, man. And our last stop on the tour takes us back to 2013. Now, this isn't technically Spoon. This is Divine Fits. This is when Britt Daniel, of Spoon, of course, uh, got together with uh, Dan Beckner of Wolf Parade to form that, uh, so far, just a one-off band. I'm really hoping for another Divine Fits record one day. Uh, but we got to talk about uh, Tom Petty and and them being fans of, of his work, uh, collaborating, how they relate to the songs of their past band or their other bands. I can't say the past bands, their other bands. And at that point, what they thought the future of Divine Fits looked like. It's been a minute. Let's let those predictions uh, maybe uh, take some shape, guys. Uh, anyway, we'll count this as part four of Kyle Meredith with Britt Daniel of Spoon. Hi. We're at Bonnaroo. It's raining here at night. You're both set. It it's our first interview in the rain. So we're going to take this. All right. Uh, it's you, actually you, helping. This yeah, is interesting. Feels good. It's interesting because uh, Tom Petty's about to go on, and I know that's kind of been a big thing of this tour. You've been covering Tom Petty. Yeah. Is this just the universe lining up, or did you all beg for that slide? Because um, technically you're opening up for Tom Petty. Right? Yeah, this is kind of the universe lining up, I think. Yeah. We didn't, yeah. yeah. We started doing this song on our first tour, really, right? What, weren't we doing it back in, like, August? Yeah. Last yeah. year, yeah. Did you play it tonight? So that was some foresight. We yeah. certainly did play it tonight, yeah. Well, that's, I always wondered about that, like, is that the same role as you don't wear the band shirt to the show? Do you play the band's song right before they go on? Right? Oh, you know, F the rules, man. <laughs> Take I think it's okay as if you're not a di on the same stage, it, it, it makes everything's it right. fine. Yeah, like, right. if we were if we were directly f before Tom Petty on the main yeah. stage, sure. I, we probably wouldn't have pulled that. Uh, see, I think you still should have pulled it. Maybe. Like, maybe as a challenge, like, try to do better than well, this. Well, get one. us over to that stage and we'll try. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> you're getting there. Someone Please. The first record, a thing called Divine Fits, uh, which has been awesome. I know uh, uh, much of the talk has also been about the surprise how well the chemistry worked between you guys. I know Who, that's kind surprised? of a thing. <laughs> no, it is surprising because you do have, I mean, both you're in other bands, and uh, it yeah. seems to me that when you're in a band and you're on tour, there's always a conversation about, oh yeah, we should do something sometime. I mean, is that accurate? You run into that conversation, you meet somebody like we should, and it never actually materializes. And when it does, I can usually weed out the people that are uh, have drunk mouth and are sure. saying that, you know. <laughs> and this guy, this guy's a straight shooter. So I mean, you say yeah, yes you... to a lot of people. <laughs> uh, I do. Anybody that asks me anything, I say yes. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's sexual. <laughs> mm. No, I, I don't know that. what. <laughs> I just like that you look him in the eyes when you say that, especially when it's sexual. Yeah. Like, yeah. You remember earlier? <laughs> you remember. 
No, but uh, but when you're in that though, it, because it did work, it, you know, it, it's not just that it finally came together for you guys, but it actually took off. And in that situation, I mean, were you guys ever in the other situation where there, you know, you did say yes to somebody you tried and it didn't work, and there were throwaway bands? Like we're gonna try this, and then just nah, never mind. No one's ever gonna know about this. I don't think I've ever done that. I have, but I mean, that's only with like back in before I started making money off of playing music, you know. <laughs> like I would get together with a drummer that I liked, and yeah. he'll be like, "Oh, you should play music with this guy," and then we'd get together, and they'd be flaky, or yeah. you know, you know, it's hard to find it's hard to find good people to play with. Sure, that sure. are on the same wavelength. As Did you guys ever uh, ever think in the beginning about bringing in your other band songs? When you're out on tour, no. Because no. I mean, I say this because it would I'm not hearing, be a cool move. I'm hearing David Byrne and St. Vincent right now, who are doing exactly that. They have their own album, but they're playing their own solo songs too. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, that makes more sense to me. It makes a lot more sense because it's yeah. under their own names. Maybe yeah. that's that's the only thing. But yeah. That seems okay. If it was like Britt Daniel and Dan Beckner present, yeah, yeah, the exactly. collective catalogs sure. of Britt Daniel yeah. and Dan <laughs> Beckner featuring new songs. Something uh, though. Then, you know, I, I don't know, and and you know, for me, like a lot of the songs that I've written with my other bands, with Wolfred and Handsome yeah. First, I, you know, I wouldn't even want to play those songs by myself a lot sure. of the time. You know, like I, I feel like those songs existed in that set of people for that moment in right. that time. So you those know? are kind of lost songs for you now. Sorta, of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like listening to them every now and then, yeah. but uh, but it's good. They're like, you know, they they look like a beautiful jungle flower that yeah. pops up and lives for three and a half years and then <laughs> dies. Well, I guess the, the question in that is like, you have a relationship with your songs, yeah. and you, I mean, you talk about artists, you know, it's like, oh, they're my kids or whatever they are, yeah. and which very song, hell if I know. But now you've got lost songs. It's like those songs are with a with a group that I just won't mess with anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's that's how it is for me. But I also feel like when I write like a song, CK. when I write a song and then perform it, it kind of doesn't belong to me anymore. Like, I mean, it's still my song, but once you record it, and it's it's the people's song, you know. To yeah. <laughs> so kind of make it uh, a little bit odd to put it together, uh, I'm gonna say the greatest hits one day for you, either of you. <laughs> like not the Spoon greatest hits, but the Britannia greatest. Right. Where yeah. you've got Berlin Wall and all of those. Those things are cheesy though. Yeah. Where there's sure. a soft focus no, no, picture where on the cover. Like where there's that. a greatest hits where it includes this oh, guy's solo stuff sure. or what two bands at once. Uh, That's a real sting move, you know. That's I don't a sting move. Yeah. yeah, you can't do that. No, no. Yeah, you don't. You don't want to listen to "Message in a Bottle" and then have it jump to uh, "Fields of Gold," right? You know what I mean? I'm or, pretty sure that exists. Yeah, that, that does yeah. exist. That, yeah. that one out there. Yeah. Now, so at this point, though, and maybe this is more of a question for you, Dan. Um, because I, I would say, you know, how important is your day job when you have so many acts that you're incorporated with? You know, you're going to go make another spoon record, and I, I, I don't know if I, you would, you know, call that your day job. But I don't. know, You seem kind of homeless right now. So <laughs> you just started another band. I started a new band. And is that going to be? Would you say no? That's your main act. No, I mean, music is my main act. I'm married to it. You know. <laughs> Like, it's just an untraditional, you know, you're both uh, untraditional musicians, and I guess that's what I'm, you know. When I started out playing music, you know, I came out of the punk scene, and there was, it really felt like there were no rules, you know? And when I got together with the Wolf Parade guys, we were always like, okay, this is a band, but we're totally free to go do other other avenues of sure. expression. And, uh, and I've always kind of ran things like that, you know? So, and, you know, I know that... Like Spoon has evolved totally in sound and songwriting, and I mean that's that's how you that's how you maintain your life as an artist. Sure. I think you just keep pushing yourself. And at some time you come back around, you're gonna do another Divine Fits record, and you got a new single out right now. Yeah. 
Uh, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, sure. And right. Uh, I mean, I believe you. I don't mean like sure, like sure. Sure. <laughs> it's going to happen. We just don't know when. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's fair. It does seem like, though, once you get that second album under you, the band actually has a defined personality. Because when it's a debut, it's a debut. But, you know, you guys kind of come around to that defined personality on the second record. Yeah. I think we found that personality on tour. It's just the uh, job of kind of presenting that to the, the world at large, right? Yeah, it sounds a little cheesy, but I totally agree. Yeah. You know? Because <laughs> we didn't play any shows together when we, uh, before we made the record, and I don't know. Yeah. We figured it out afterwards, you know? Yeah. Well, it sounds good. It's coming across on the, on, the, on the new split single, too. Split single, the A side, B side, whatever you're calling that. Double A. Split single. Split single. That's Which what you do with a band, band that Brit is in. Ah, yeah, I forgot about that. There's too many. I keep up with all your bands. Uh, Divine Fits uh, has been awesome. I really can't wait till it comes around again and you know the other projects and all that. I say we stop this and go see Tom Petty. That's all right, great, man. Right. Cool. Nice Thank to talk you. to you. Yeah, man. you too. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take care. And again, my thanks to Brett. The new Spoon album is called Lucifer on the Sofa. Big thanks to you as well for checking out the episode. Please do hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. Again, uh, new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the uh, social media spots. Uh, that's uh, mostly on Twitter, but also Facebook and Instagram, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Looks like a nice basement. Some really good posters. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Hey there, it's Kyle Meredith from Kyle Meredith With. After you check out the latest episode of my show, uh, be sure to check out some of our other great programs on the Consequence Podcast Network, including Standing BTS, a bi-weekly podcast covering all things BTS and ARMY, and The Opus, Consequence's original documentary podcast exploring legendary albums and their lasting legacies. So head to Consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.